Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarring Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing pretty good. A little stressed. So just back from Synergy. Um, have a week of uh, have a week to get two decks ready for the Norwegian uh, user group, and flying out there um, next week. So yeah, it's it's been a bit busy to say the least. Uh, how are you, buddy? Uh, yeah, getting the post uh, Synergy um, catch up. You know, in progress, all the stuff that I missed out when I was there. Um, no Norwegian group for me. I'm pretty much free and clear until next at the end of the month. Um, so I got plenty of time to get caught up and then get behind again. Very good. Uh, very excited to have our guest today. Um, Ingmar uh, and I go back a very long time. I think my first ever E2E, I got to, I got to meet Ingmar. We've known each other on, on Skype ever since. Um, so without further ado, uh, welcome Ingmar. Jaren, and Andrew, welcome. It's, it's a guest. It's an honor to be here, actually, as a guest. Uh, well, thanks very much. Thanks very much. Um, Ingver, Ingmar Verhey is, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, is a is a community evangelist, uh, IoT god, um, you know, blogger, developer, consultant. You've done a lot in your time, Ingmar. So, you know, in your seven, seventeen or seventeen years of experience you have under your belt now, you know, can you tell us a bit how you, of how you got started and how you've ended up today? Yeah, 70 years. Wow. If you say it like that, it's actually a real long time. Uh, and actually, it's 17 years as a professional career. I think I started with, you know, fumbling with computers when I was around the age of six. Um, you know, my parents had an accountancy firm and I was lucky that they actually had a PC at home. So at a very early age, I had the opportunity to, you know, um, play around with it, and, you know, they had BASIC installed on, on, on DOS, so I could actually do some programming very early. And actually, that led me to, well, um, programming some little applications when I was young. Um, and around the age of 16, I had to make a decision. Um, did I actually want to continue with IT or do something with electronics? Because that had my interest as well. I had a, a FM radio transmitter, uh, was playing around with that as well. I think I made the right decision by choosing IT because that career went um, well, not that bad. Um, so started an internship somewhere, started uh, assembling machines, uh, assembling PCs. That's also where I saw Citrix for the first time. I think I was around 98 somewhere, so that was a Winframe. Um, I was shocked, really blew my mind. I uh, couldn't sleep for days. I just saw 20 machines in a room connected to a, a server uh, running AutoCAD, which was just amazing. I literally couldn't sleep for a few days. Um, but I think a few months later, uh, my father actually asked me to do IT for, for his organization. So at the age of, HD, uh, age of 18, I was the IT admin for his organization. Um, and he was actually brave enough to let me build a Greenfield uh, NT4 terminal services environment. Uh, and I have to say it's brave, uh, looking back, that he asked me to do so. It was a success, nonetheless. Uh, and I stayed at that, um, that organization for well, over almost 10 years um, grew there, you know, we managed 200 MetaFrame accounts, and then I went into a, a role where I was more a developer, so I built a, a software distribution system uh, to manage all these accounts, and that was actually based on Citrix Installation Manager, so that was actually my first dive into registry uh, hacking stuff, so that to well, build, a, build a solution, and then, you know, from there on, we moved on uh, to client-server, I you know, had the opportunity to build a, a managed workplace uh, concept. 
So learning a lot about AD group policies, uh, scripting, a lot of stuff which is still very relevant to me today. And it was actually there that I learned uh, developing. So uh, Visual Basic, C Sharp. Um, uh, looking back, I actually built a complete uh, user environment management system. So uh, you know, uh, managing your your workspace, just your start menu, your printers, the registry, everything was a solution uh, I built from scratch. Um, I, you know, looking backwards, I think we should have sold it because now we've got RES, absence and all that stuff that is making quite a lot of money. Uh, we had it in 2005-ish. And wow. Yeah. Oh, looking back, you know, it's very easy <laughs> to say you could have made money. Um, but, I mean, in the end, you know, I was getting a bit bored. You know, I, I'm definitely not a developer. Uh, I found out uh, it's cool to build stuff uh, and then maintaining it and, you know, just doing updates. That's apparently not my thing. So um, one of my friends... Uh, we go way back. Um, we actually worked at the same grocery store, which is a very interesting grocery store uh, because that's not only where a friend met that friend, uh, also Case Bachemann, uh, probably pretty familiar uh, to you as well. Um, we all worked there. Um, he asked me, you know, why don't you come and work with me? It's a consultancy firm. They do Citrix. Uh, it probably fits you. So that was Pepperbyte. I've worked there for six years um, as a Citrix consultant had the opportunity to learn a lot and was my chance to you know meet the community. Uh, I was sent to PubForm, later E2E, and well things accelerated there. Uh, you know, started to present, uh, learning a lot of people like you guys. So that's this amazing opportunity. Uh, and it's also the location where uh, I started the uh, Dutch Citrix user group. So with uh, Remco, Case, Barry, and a lot of other guys, that was really fun. And I think it's well three years ago now that I been asked by that same friend um, who, who left, actually, uh, the, the moment he uh, actually got me into that organization, you know, why don't you join Citrix? So uh, after a few beers and some conversations, I figured, heck, why not? Let's do it. So I joined Citrix three years ago, and now I'm a, I'm a sales engineer, which is, uh, which is interesting. So here I am. Quite the career path, man. Quite the career path. I mean, it's 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 amazing to hear how you went from experiencing what Winframes to to where you are today. You know, I mean, the developer past, the the the, the interest in electronic engineering makes so much sense because you know your your IoT um, presentations are always so on point. Um, you yeah, know, it's 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 wonderful to to hear your story. And you know, even though we've known each other for quite some time, I, I actually learned something in there, which is super. So uh, you know, it's great to hear. Cool. Yeah, you were so. Let's take a step back there. So, was it really just over a, a beer that decided you to to jump to Vendorland? Because you know you were pretty big in the community as an advocate and a consultant. So, was it just over a beer? You said just you know screw it. Let's nah, do it? nah. You know the beer helped. Let, let's just keep it there. No, I mean it was a big of a gamble. Um, for many years, I've said I don't want to work for a vendor. You know, I like being in a community. I like uh, being independent or at least having the impression you are independent. Um, but then again, I mean, you know, working for a vendor has its its has its ups. And um, I figured, you know, I was bored at the job I was having. I was bored being consultant. So I easily get bored, uh, as you found out by now. And I was thinking, you know, there's so many reasons not to do it. But there were more reasons to do it. So in the end, I figured, you know, why not do it? Take the gamble, uh, make a guess, and just do it. And, you know, if you don't like it, uh, you can always leave. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And you, you had a couple of things you said there about, you know, 
it's a little bit different from consultant land where you're always doing, you know, maybe the same products, but different challenges, different environments, um, and, and so forth. Um, so that, that was some good stuff there. And you're right. You can always go back. It's like that old saying, you can always come home. Um, so how has that move treated you? <laughs> well, it's been quite a journey, uh, to be honest. I mean, I like it. Uh, it's definitely good working for a vendor uh, in that sense that, you know, you got very direct lines to product organization, uh, but also to product marketing. All the things where I was basically complaining about from community uh, stand of view, like, why are you doing this? Why? You know, you've got so many questions. you got so many opinions. Uh, if you actually work for a vendor, then you can actually ask the questions and get the answers. So this way, you know, I can have a little bit of influence on what Citrix is doing. Um, so that, that's very interesting. I must admit, you know, our first month were pretty tough. Um, it's not just that you work with Citrix technology, which you, I mean, have been working with it for 16, 17 years, um, but it's also you're in a sales role. And um, I can't say that I'm really a sales guy. That's not what I am. Uh, but then again, it, it does force you to, you know, see the business side of things. So what is the added value of the product you're selling? What's the, you know, what's the business value of, of your solution? So it's very, it's very interesting for me. It's actually, it's, I mean, it's uh, um, a journey through life. I'm learning more and more skills, which I, I, I probably by the end, when I'm 80 or 90 years old, I, I can probably do everything. Um, and it's completely useless as I'm 80 or 90 by then. <laughs> Man, hopefully retired with any luck. <laughs> oh yeah, I hope so. Yeah, you never know. But I mean, did you find that you know, um, you know, often as a consultant, you were standing on the sidelines and you were kind of selectively picking pieces of of different vendors to to, to create a hybrid solution, and then you know, in in that regard, kind of complaining about a product or a feature is kind of risk free. Did you find that you know, having to move over to a, to a single flavor um, came with its own challenges? It does and it doesn't. So even when you work as a consultant, you do have preferences, you know, and all those those uh, preferences come from your your own experience. For those experiences, you're getting from the people around you, like the community. So by now, I know there's no such thing as being completely independent. You're always a little bit biased, and I mean, it's it's a challenge for sure. I mean, um, you work for a vendor and you don't bite the hand that feeds you. But then again, you know, as you know, I'm Dutch, I'm direct. Um, I still think, I still feel as if I'm in a community. So I'm definitely, I remain uh, outspoken. Uh, I've got my own opinion. Uh, even though I work for a vendor, uh, I might say things which not actually are the things which Citrix like me to say. But, I mean, that, that keeps, me, keeps me honest. And I'd like to keep it real to uh, my customers and also to my partners and everyone in the community. So it has its challenges. But, you know, it's trying to find the balance between um, being honest and, uh, well, biting the hand that feeds you. That, that's, a, that's a really interesting view. And, you know, when, yeah, when, you, when you make that move, it, uh, it does, it, it, you know, it, it can seem a bit that way. And I can imagine that, that that's what you were going through. But, you know, I think, I, I think having, a, having a fair head on your shoulders and understanding that there are other things in the world that, that will make – you know um, th- th- that that exists and, and do things in a certain way. You can influence you can influence, I suppose, in a certain way to, to make the product work a, a bit better in regards to like that. Or you can also say you, you can also say actually, you know what, that's clever, but that's probably not the direction we're going to go. Is that, is, is that fair? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's it. I mean, um, without being too negative, 
Um, but but now you know we can look in retrospect. I think it's like a year and a half ago that uh, I got a training uh, where they uh, developers introduced the app disks to me. Um, it was more a concept at the time, and that led to quite a lot of you know discussions internally about the approach to technology and and you know things which we weren't doing. Um, so internally, you can you can be as direct as you want. But externally, uh, I'll just shut up in that case, uh, as that's the only solution you've got. And fortunately, by now we've got you know required Unidesk, and and you know you can say you, AppDesk wasn't the best thing to do. Uh, but you've got to be you know you got to find the balance in that one. Might as well you know work internally to get things better, uh, taking the feedback that you've got, taking the experience that you've got, and then build towards a good solution for for everyone. I understand what you're saying. I suppose what you're saying is you have to be true to the company you're working for and give feedback, not in a negative. It's okay to be critical if you're if you're trying to be to be positive. Being cynical for the sake of being cynical helps nobody. Would that be fair? That's it. Yeah, and I think that's that's. Uh, I mean, it's for everyone. Not just when you work for a vendor, but everyone in a community. I mean, don't, don't be cynical. That's uh, that would be good. Makes life a lot easier for all of us. Agreed, and actually, actually, I mean, you you hit the you hit the note on the head. Community wide, there are a couple of people who could be downright just just plastered as cynical, and they, they yeah, they definitely don't help. Um, if everybody, even as a, as a community level, if everybody can be forward thinking about these things, then yeah, happy days and and all the rest. Um, anyway, yeah, no, that, that's that's very interesting. Um, it's it's great to hear that it went well for you, and it's, it's great to hear that you're happy, particularly after the, the move that you went. I mean, look, everybody on this call is going to agree Citrix is a great company with great technology. And um, I'm delighted for you that that's worked out, and, and you are as happy as you are. On the Citrix topic, though, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, a, a massive focus of Citrix is, in the last 18 months has been ZenApp and ZenDesktop Express, and with great fanfare, Citrix have first to market, gotten there with Microsoft, and are um, and are, are are offering it out. I mean, as a as an SE, how have you found the response from customers? So it actually is, you know, getting a lot of good responses. Um, so the ZenApp and ZenDesktop Essentials, uh, not only are we getting a lot of interest from from customers, but also from the Microsoft account teams themselves. So you can see it's it's not just you know a product launch or or some code. It's actually about you know a partnership where you both benefit. And I mean, I think it's really good to see that you know over the past years the relation between Citrix and Microsoft has been. On and off. Uh, I mean, of course, we started together basically, and now it's actually, well, it's like we're in love again. And I think, besides, you know, the um, the marketing message around this, uh, you can actually see that that uh, customers are really interested in a, a joint solution and really into a solution which is uh, accepted and supported by both Microsoft and Citrix. So I can definitely say that I think 50% of my conversations today are about cloud, and so essentials is definitely a topic, even though, and you can see it in, in the community, a lot of people are saying, like, why should you go to cloud? It's too expensive. There, there are so many reasons not to, but I don't think that any customer is reading that because they're all they're all focused on you know, moving to the cloud, and, you know, you might as well be there and, and guide them on that, that, that journey. And essentials is, is well, it's, it's a good conversation starter to, uh, to help them address that. 
I'd, I'd entirely agree with you. I mean, the whole way through your point, I've been nodding along. I mean, I mean, it's 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 been very interesting to watch the dynamic between Citrix and Microsoft grow and morph over the years. I mean, Citrix is always you know at least three steps ahead of Microsoft in anything that they that they um that they were you know in theory competing on. But I mean, look at the end of the day, if if you're buying a Citrix product, generally you're also accompanying with Microsoft licenses. So it's not really competition. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is, you know, at a certain time there was there were signs hung up on the Microsoft RDS team saying we're not Citrix and for obvious reasons because I'm sure they were getting plenty of requests about what Citrix were doing versus RDS but for that convergence to come back again and for Microsoft to realize that maybe they're not the best people to be doing this in what was mm-hmm. remote app and maybe Citrix is absolutely the best person to, to be char- leading this charge and then as you mentioned there the, the fundamental um, partnership with Microsoft I think Microsoft are hot they're, they're back in action again they took a little bit of a dip or got lost with Windows 8 and all the rest but I think you know between Microsoft or Office 365 Azure, Windows 10, they're, they're back in charge and, uh, you know, any strategy to align with Microsoft is great at the moment. So, um, Definitely. No, it, it's, yeah, no, no, it's great and I'm, I'm, I'm utterly delighted for Citrix on, on, on achieving the vision and on time and, and delivering. Yeah, what you said, I mean, about Microsoft, I mean, uh, ever since Satya joined uh, Microsoft, they definitely have a new focus, a new vision. And I really like, you know, what they're doing to, not just for Microsoft themselves, you know, they're really great at what they do and definitely they have got so much more momentum at customers. But they're also driving new technologies and driving new uh, solutions like the cloud, the digital transformation. You know, Microsoft is, is helping all of us, not just Citrix, but also VMware and all the you know the people in the ecosystem to you know achieve great things with customers. I think not maybe it's strange to say, but I think that due to Microsoft's uh, organizations are more on the bright side again about you know what technology can help us. So I think you know Microsoft is doing all is all a really great favor on that one. I couldn't agree with you more. I've never actually thought of it, and you are absolutely right. I mean, Microsoft's resurgence and Microsoft's push and Microsoft's innovation is actually helping everybody, right? So I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's win win across the across the table. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. And you know, like like Andy said earlier, and both of you guys kind of alluded to, Microsoft does win, so no matter what solution. You use on top, yeah. Microsoft still wins. It's uh, the way. Sorry, the way I always say it to my customers is, you know, it's you know, you're it's it's a forced marriage. <laughs> Even if you don't want to, you know, you're always married to Microsoft. So, you know, it's it's not the chair and that question if they are using Microsoft technology. It's what they are using and how far they want to go. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. So, kind of moving into some concepts of. Uh, mobility and the whole Nirvana thing coming back again. Um, Samsung Dex is an interesting concept. Um, it kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that was done with the Atrix, and, and hopefully the Samsung Dex contact concept um, expands to more devices because I think that's where the Atrix failed. Um, what are your thoughts on this, and do you see the Nirvana phone becoming a reality? So it's getting there, isn't it? I mean, I really like the concept about the Nirvana phone as Samsung Dex is, is now pursuing. It's more or less the same as Microsoft is trying, still trying with Continuum. And I do think that, that we're getting there, we're getting closer, but we're not there yet for everyone. I don't even think it, it is applicable to everyone, but I do like you know the concept of having Basically, it's like device virtualization. We're getting one device, which is your computational device. And throughout the day, 
you know, we're working with different screen surfaces. You know, I'm uh, in the car, I've got my phone, hands-free, of course. Um, in a meeting, I've got my tablet, which is, you know, medium size. And in the office, I've got a 40-inch screen because that's what I want. It's just about the screen surface. And I don't mind whatever device is behind it to actually do the computation as long as it's giving me a native experience. So I really think that this concept is is where we need to go to. I mean, it's not just because it's easier for the user. I mean, for us, you know, just have that one device in your pocket and uh, if battery life actually uh, allows us to do so, just roam towards it, wirelessly get your the content of your apps on your screen. But also from an IT admin perspective. I mean, if you only have to manage one device, or and with manage, I mean, you know, just supply the applications that we need, supply access to data. Uh, we don't actually need to, you know, manage a device. I'm not a really, really big fan of managing devices for the sake of, of managing it. It's more, you know, the old paradigm. But I do like that uh, you have the opportunity to just manage that, that single device, just, you know, Keep focused on your data. Secure that in a single location. Apply your policies if you need to from an organizational stand of view, uh, point of view. Uh, and that's it. So I like the concept of the Nirvana phone or the Nirvana device, maybe even. Um, and I think Samsung DeX is getting, getting pretty close. I mean, it's a very accepted platform. Uh, I mean, definitely Samsung, uh, um, based on Android, got a lot of uh, um, market share. And... I think they are. They've got a good chance on on basically breaking the concept for everyone. So paving the route towards uh, um, that 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 one device in your pocket. Yeah, I completely agree. Oh, sorry, Adrian. I was just going to say I completely agree there. It's um, when I first saw Continuum, I thought it was it was revolutionary. But I think the single biggest issue with Continuum was nobody really wanted to use a Windows Phone, and I don't mean that in a bad way to Microsoft. I think Microsoft tried to the nth degree to get Windows Phone up and off the ground. I just don't think developers got on board with it, and there there wasn't enough traction with the hardware. They were also coming in late to a market, right? So Continuum was was a phenomenal idea, but um, I just don't think they had the presence in the market to really see it through. But but when Samsung does it, there are a lot of people who like Android out there. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned already, like the concept of dropping my phone on my desk and using it as a device to connect to my virtual resource or browse the web or whatever, and even from a security inherently, it's more secure because if I walk away from my desk, you better believe I'm bringing my phone with me. Do you know what I mean? So even from a, even from a fundamental user workflow, I think it adds value from, from, from that point of view. But I, I think we're only going to see wide, wide – personally, I only think we're going to see wide market adoption when Apple does it because there are many, many people like me who – really don't want to use anything other than Apple because Apple products make every, every user experience pretty nice. Is that fair? That's it, yeah. I, and, I, and I have to agree on that one. I mean, it's not that I'm an Apple fanboy, but I'm a fan of what they deliver. So the experience is just so straightforward. I can give, I, I gave an iPhone to my father. That's not true, he bought it. But I advised, you know, to get an iPhone just because that way I don't have to manage his phone anymore. So and that's what every device I get from Apple. It just it just works, and I can imagine that you know Android's getting pretty close with that, and Samsung is definitely you know giving that extra layer of uh, user experience and adoption. Uh, but I have to agree on you with you on that one. Uh, once Apple gets into the game, we'll probably have a, have a mature solution. So you hit on a couple of key things here, and I think it's more of the Nirvana device than the phone. Um, I do like what Samsung's doing 
but I want to see more devices do it, and I completely agree with, with Apple getting into the game to see this. Um, I do like some of the things with, um, like, Citrix, they showed at Synergy, the whole Windows Continuum thing um, about changing the form factor um, and Zen Desktop, to, you know, when you roam from your different devices. I do like that concept there as well, so I think that also helps by using, you know, the app and desktop technologies. Um, but for me... I want to see what the Intel compute card does, because I think that's going to be a good one as well. Um, especially, you know, and, and you guys probably have more concern with this than I do, but with the whole laptop ban thing that, that's come up recently, um, and it expanding to, to a lot of, you know, non-U.S. residents coming over, um, traveling and stuff. So I think these devices are definitely going to be key to a lot of people traveling going forward. Yeah, and to that extent, I mean, of course, it's it's a bit early, but if you look at um, what Chris Fleck team is presenting as, as of the last two years with the Workspace Hub, uh, the concept of it is basically the same as with Samsung DeX and Continuum. You know, it's just allowing to you to use a single device, have your, in this case, you know, a Citrix session, but you know, the concept remains the same. You know, having one device for uh, execution, for running your apps and your session and roam around the different screens, whether that's a you know 40-inch screen uh, on your desk or that's a HoloLens, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just a computational device, nothing more. And as you said, Andrew, now, wherever I go, whenever I go, that's the one thing I'm carrying. Um, so I think it has security as well. So in you know, in the example you gave, uh, Jari, you know, in, in 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 a plane, I'm still wearing my phone. There's a screen in front of me, so why not use that as you know the screen? To, to cast the content of my of my phone. So I definitely think there's a lot of potential in pursuing this path. I completely agree. And I think um, Jarian hit it on a good point. I mean, even the, the piece of work that she did around Continuum on um, on Zen Server. I mean, I remember when uh, when they first kind of explained it to me, you know, a bit ago. Uh, and I was kind of like, yeah, okay, well, good for you. And then when I actually saw it in action, it was like, oh, actually, that's very clever. And then it also reminded me of the of the the, the, the you know the X1 mouse that Citrix did. An X1 mouse and an iPad Pro is a phenomenal little combination. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, 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 the proliferation of devices is there, and I think Citrix have done a good job of, of following on with that, and I think Dex is another extension. But I think we all echo when we said we really want to see Apple do it so that we can use the device that we want to actually use. Uh, as opposed to anything else. So I suppose time will tell. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, um, I've got good hope that we're getting there eventually. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um, shifting it back to uh, to Citrix. I mean, uh, myself and yourself and Jerry have very similar startups, you know, seeing the Citrix technology first and then being, wow, this is cool, you know. <laughs> but I mean, uh, over over the life cycle or over the life cycle of Citrix, or at least what we have seen, they've had many, many products, um, many, many different uh, solutions for many, many different asks, really. I mean, if you had a single favorite product in the suite, what would it be and why? So that, you mean in the current suite, right? Not not the old stuff. Oh, do whatever you want. Go nuts with the question, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would say, I mean, looking at what we're currently got in the portfolio and also looking at, you know, what am I using on a day-to-day basis? What is the interest where, you know, our, 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 our peers are moving towards? I would say ShareFile. Hands down. I mean, it's, the, it's definitely the only product that I personally use on a day-to-day basis. Simply because it just blends in. It just blends in 
to whatever device I'm using. You know, it, it, it's it's part of my workflow. And because I use it on a day-to-day basis, uh, I mean, that makes it so easy to uh, to explain to to your customer. But also, yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's 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 the best product we've got because I use it on a day-to-day basis, um, and therefore, it's my my favorite, which we've got in production. I mean, of course, we've got a lot of products which you know in, in the future have a lot of potential. But for now, I'll definitely say ShareFile. I, I would uh, agree with you on that. You know, personally, I would have guessed you just said OctaBlue, honestly. Um, but uh, <laughs> but ShareFile would probably have been my next guess. Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, ShareFile is a great product. It just works. Um, you know, I've long said it's the model that Citrix kind of needs to follow, which, you know, with some of the cloud stuff, they, they kind of are. Um but I would like to mention one thing. You know, what are your thoughts on the compete with OneDrive and any pushback from customers? Um, is it more of you talking about the integration standpoint of it? You know, what, do you, what are you seeing out there in the field or from customers? So I think there's a lot of confusion about, you know, is, is, is OneDrive competing with ShareFile or the other way around? And I, I think if you see ShareFile as, as a storage solution, then you know you're not getting the concept of ShareFile, which is which is completely to blame to Citrix. I'm not saying we; it's to blame to Citrix. Um, so I use ShareFile even, I mean, actually to 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 access my files on OneDrive. You know, it, to me, it's storage aggregation. It, it's allowing me to use whatever device I've got, or even a browser, to access data, which is wherever I store it. So whether that's somewhere on, on a file share at Citrix, or it's in OneDrive, or it's you know my my personal server. I can always access my files, even on, I mean, OneDrive is basically for storage, for storing files, um, and it's limited to Microsoft products, whereas ShareFile has a complete different vision, different uh, approach. So um, definitely there's a lot of confusion around what's the added value, and I mean, that's that's goal for lots of product marketing to, to get the message across, uh, but it's, I mean, to me, it's data aggregation, it, it's document workflows, there's so much more layers on top of just storing data. That's, that's, that's easy. We can all do that. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, um, it's, it's kind of sad they, you know, the naming kind of puts them off to all the capabilities it can do, you know, because it really is kind of a front door to your enterprise data along with uh, the signature and workflow stuff um, it can do. So, um, yeah, the messaging probably needs to be a little better. So you're... No, 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 no. You're, you're suggesting we should rename. I mean, you're good God, I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Good God, no. I'm not just saying again. the name <laughs> can be confusing for some, along with you know maybe just the messaging. I wouldn't say rename it, just the messaging, because it really is kind of like I said, your front door to to different um, different data points. Um, yeah. But let's move on from that because I don't want to get on that rabbit hole. So IoT, let's talk about IoT. Sure. So it's a real passion for you. Um, I've seen your sessions, you know, I was fortunate enough to come over to the Dutch user group where you and Kate did your session. Um, I've seen some of the stuff, other stuff you've done, you know, the, the fireside chats at, at Synergy and so forth. So, you know, where did this grow well, from? I mean, it grew on me. That, that's it. I mean, as I said, you know, when, when I was a young kid, I was already interested in electronics, um, already playing around with a soldering iron and building stuff. And I, I had to make that decision, you know, uh, do I go for IT or do I go for electronics? So I, I choose that path and I've been 
haven't been looking around at electronics for for many many years. Uh, up to the moment, I you know I had I built a new house with my wife and um, the, the construction company actually installed a, a machine, a ventilation machine, which has a switch. So when you go take a shower, you gotta you know, flip the switch so that it actually get um, the humidity out of your 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 bathroom. And for the first year, I didn't realize it. Uh, up to the moment, I was speaking to one of my neighbors, and they told me about this switch. And I was like, so where's the switch? I haven't seen it. I've been looking around, and what did the clever guy do? He actually, um, they, they put the ventilation box uh, in the attic, in a closet. And apparently, he forgot to mount the switch. So he figured, let's just do it in the attic, in the closet. So that was a bit of a you know, revelation, like, well, why would you want to do that? But it also led to me thinking, how can I fix this? I mean, that's just, I think a lot of people in IT come from, how can I fix this? If something is um, is broken, we always want to fix things. Maybe there's a manly thing, but I wanted to fix it. So that led to me thinking, hey, this is just electronics. So let me just buy some stuff um, by now and make enough money to actually buy a lot of stuff which, which we can just throw away. And roughly at the same time, uh, Citrix actually acquired Octoblue. And uh, as you know, Octoblue is an IT platform. We got a lot of clever guys in uh, Tempe, Arizona, and that, that led to you know that combination just made to me diving into IT. And I mean, ever since uh, I can just see there's a, a, a there's a massive potential, not just in the home, which is which is fun. I never completed the project, by the way. Um, took too long, got bored, uh, still somewhere laying around. Um, but yeah, IoT I just ruined me, and I really think that it's it's an enabler for 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 the future, for the things that we need to do in the industry. Industry. Yeah, I would agree, and I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the Octable acquisition um, and the guys down there in Arizona because I, I feel they've come a long way um, with fixing some of the API issues and integration issues at Citrix, and not saying they're done. But I'm glad to see those guys and just the energy. You know, Chris comes into the room. I remember when he first came in to talk in our CTP meeting, and his energy just took over the room. And you, you can see it, and hopefully we'll see more of him on stage and, and so forth because he, he can really capture an audience. For sure. I mean, he's our next chief demo officer, if you ask me. Oh, I'd completely agree. He's he's very hard to take your eyes off as soon as he he walks into the room. You know, he's just he's got charisma coming out of every orifice. He's yeah, he's superb. I um, mean, and the IoT acquisition for a lot for a lot of people when it first happens, like what? What the Citrix buy? And then it all kind of became clear, you know, as as you mentioned earlier on, Chris Fleck is, is kind of leading this charge and in, in, in kind of showing how all these things can be integrated and, and workflowed. And it's a, it's it's a fascinating journey to watch from the outside. That's for sure. So. You know, how do you see this, you know, evading the enterprise and, and going forward? Um, Citrix, you know, with their Octoblue acquisition, they have some nice things with Workspace Hub and so forth. But, you know, how do you see it evading the enterprise? And do you see any roadblocks um, to slow the adoption of this invading the enterprise and being adopted in the enterprise? Sure. So I think, I mean... For that to answer, um, I think we should clarify at least how I see IoT. I mean, IoT, a lot of people got a different view on what IoT is and what it can do to them. And you both mentioned it a few times already. To me, IoT is about integration. Sure, uh, it stands for Internet of Things. Uh, just connecting a device or a sensor or whatever is, is just step one. 
um, and especially you know through the, the IoT platform of Octoloo, integration is the key word. So to me, IoT is the integration of things. And with that, that's where the value is, not just in the consumer area or in industrial, but definitely in enterprise. I mean, in, in the last 20 years, I would say, uh, we've been introducing so many new systems in, in organizations just to you know, allow them to do new stuff. And sometimes we tear down the, the old stuff, but usually we didn't, so we just left it there. And we've been really, really, really bad in integrating those systems. Uh, and it, I mean, Citrix the same. I mean, every product group had their own way of thinking about APIs, if any, uh, or an SDK or PowerShell or SAPI. I mean, just allowing you to connect the dots, uh, both internally within our own products, but also externally, there's such a massive potential in allowing you to, you know, use services from other parties which you don't have to develop or support. And I, I definitely like one of the examples we've been using quite a lot is, you know, there's a service called PagerDuty, which is just a service, a web service basically, where you can say who's on call, if a certain um, ticket comes in with a high priority, who should we call, should we send a text? So it's, I mean, it's not Citrix Play, right? It's not what we do. But we can consume that service using IoT. So if we see an error in director, use Pager Duty. And that's where the potential is of IoT. So I definitely think that you know we've, we as an industry industry have been um, messing things up. We've made things really complex and we didn't want to look back. And as such, we've got just a massive stuff of legacy components which are in our way, in our way to, um, to grow. I mean... Uh, it's in a way to innovate. Uh, as a result, I think you see a lot of new startups coming up which don't have legacy, who are way much more agile, way much more flexible in starting a new business. And for those old organizations with legacy uh, stuff in their organization, they need something like IoT to allow these integrations. And uh, besides that, I think you know a lot of, of our uh, innovations come from the home. I think that's that's where most innovations happen. So, consumerization of IT is definitely something which we've seen over the past years. Uh, you know, with, with not just with the phones, but also with you know, us standing up and saying, "I don't like policies. Screw you. I'll just I'll just go around that." And you see the same happening with a Philips Hue or Sonos or an Amazon Echo. And I don't have any of those in my home, which might be shocking because I, I talk a lot about IoT. I don't have it in my home because it's not there yet. It has the potential, though, to integrate. And I think that's where the value is also in the home and where people from home take it to the office and say, so why doesn't it detect when I'm here? Why do I have to do things manually? I think so today I saw a new Nest camera uh, coming out. And it has a 4K camera. And whenever you walk into the room, it can actually detect saying, hey, Ingmar just walked into the room, which is fine because as a result, Let's say in my home, it can say, you know what, Ingmar, um, your um, central heating uh, detected an anomaly in his behavior. If you don't do maintenance right now, then you might have an issue in a few years or a few months. And as a result, well, uh, you get carbon dioxide or whatever. Again, in an organization, we have the same um, challenges, basically. Why not walk into a room or even parking my car and use that event to trigger a lot of other things which I'm currently doing by hand. So booking a room or um, 
finding a hot desk, booting up my VDI machine, even making my coffee. There are so many things that you can just do using IoT. That's key. Then again, the Roblox, as you said, Jarin, I think one of the biggest blockers is besides, you know, people are afraid of change. They are afraid of the unknown. So that, that's up to us. That's the reason I'm doing a lot of talks about IoT. Just explain what it is, you know, make, make things clear on uh, what it is and what it isn't. That's a big roadblocker. And, of course, security. Everyone fears um, technology as, as it's a risk. If you can't control it, it's, it's a risk. And I think there's a lot of work to do to convince people that it can be safe. I'm not saying it is. It definitely isn't. That's mostly because, in, especially in IT, you see a lot of MVP, so minimal viable products. You know, if we can ship it, that's enough. And we don't have to patch it. We can't actually patch it because we forgot to build, to build that. Uh, so that's a big risk. So it's also about educating the consumers mostly and the consumers in the enterprises. Don't buy stuff which is really cheap or just does the minimum. Also think about can you manage it? Can you secure it? Can you actually, you know, do you have an isolated network which, we, which you are using for your IoT devices? So that if shit hits the fan, then can you control it? So there's a lot of things we can educate organizations in and a lot of technology we unfortunately need to introduce to, you know, using machine learning to detect anomalies in behaviors. As we've seen uh, the Mirai botnet, I mean, these are called IoT devices, which in theory they are, but these were old IP cameras with a hard-coded password on it. I don't see it as an IoT device, but you, I guess you could say it's an IP camera, so it's, it's connected. But having a device with hard-coded IP address directly exposed to the Internet, you're asking for trouble. It's just waiting until someone hacks it. So if you can prevent that and actually detect an anomaly in that behavior, I think we're good. So a lot of challenges to overcome, but I definitely think that the industry is on top of it and people are clever enough to, to solve it within a few years. Yeah, I, I agree with, with everything you said, and the security point is definitely a, a big one that gets uh, asked about a lot. And I think one of the things you mentioned there is a key point is that a, a connected device like the IP camera directly connected with the Internet and, and so forth is not the same as, as, IoT, as IoT or the integration piece. Um, so I think that, you know, doesn't help the cause for IoT because it's a connected device, but it really has nothing to do with it. Um, it's just that, you know, people like to try to use that to push, you know, the security concern aspect um, of it, w which is fair. Um, the other thing, too, is I like how you said the integration um, of things, because I like how when, when, when uh, Citrix first bought OctaBlue and, and Templeton was still there, uh, Mark Templeton, he, you know, that's the way he, he kind of put it out there because it's more of an integration of, of things and it's been helping what was Citrix on the integration aspect? Um, but for me, for for enterprises, the one thing besides security that gets the most um, the most pushback from them is, you know, from a Citrix standpoint of using OctaBlue, and you, you show them things they can do, they love it, but they're like, okay, how is this going to be packaged and licensed to me? You know, I understand today it, it's in this like this, but down the road, how is that going to change and how is that going to affect me is, is the other biggest concern. Yeah, and, and I mean, 
that's definitely the reason I didn't mention it as my favorite product because it isn't. You know, we are not Citric is not packaging it. We're not selling it. Um, one because you know we can figure out how do we want to package it. Um, and I, I'm not sure if that will ever happen. I mean, it's not up to me, so uh, don't ask me if, 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 if I'm right or not. But um, currently, we're just using it as a platform. Um, we are using it as a platform to develop services our own. And I think what we've been doing in the last two years, it's, I think it's actually three years since we acquired them, that we are basically using it to evangelize uh, IoT and especially the integration part, you know. Uh, don't think that just because you couldn't do it in, in the past that you can do it in the future. So open your mind and think about what is it that we actually want to achieve and are, which platform are we going to use. Uh, I'd like to see that that's going to be, that's going to be Octoblue from Citrix, uh, but that's going to require a lot of work from, from Citrix side, so in product development, but also in a lot of, uh, I mean, documentation, a lot of stuff, a lot of, Things around Octoblue still needs to happen, in my opinion, to to productize it. So, for enterprises to adopt IoT, especially around the WordPress IoT, I think. I mean, WordPress IoT, you know, in automating your 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 workspace in general. If you're going to use Octoblue for it, it needs to be productized. As you said, it needs to have a roadmap. It needs to have support. Everything around that needs to be in place. But applying or using IoT in general for organizations doesn't necessarily need to mean that it's Octoblue. I mean, Citrix and, Oct- and, and IoT isn't just Octoblue. There are so many more assets which you need to look at than just an IoT platform. I mean, the thing we just said about security or even resiliency and, and uh, scalability, uh, I mean, it's, it's also Netscaler, it's SD-WAN. Or, um, I mean, Synergy was last week. Um, Citrix announced the analytics service. I think that's that's key for IoT, having something which can actually analyze data and apply patterns to it using machine learning, detecting anomalies. That's got nothing to do with an IoT platform. Um, so I think there are a lot of assets which you need to look at when you talk about IoT and, and Citrix or IoT in general in an enterprise. And, and, and maybe it, it does just stay a, a platform and doesn't become officially productized, and maybe it's something you're just entitled to uh, as part of your, your software assurance maintenance or, or whatever, and it continues to kind of be the the glue piece instead of an actual Yeah, product. sure. Yeah, who knows? You've, uh, you've hit on a lot of points there, and I was quietly nodding along to pretty much everything you said there. I think you've, you're, you're, you're very honest about the, you know, the, the current standing of Octoblue as it is today, the potential that it has going forward, and, and all the rest. And I, I, think we, I think we all see that. <clears throat> I think, um, yeah, no, I think it's a very interesting one to watch for now. Um, and one thing you mentioned earlier on in the conversation around kind of IP phones and IoT, yeah, it's not fair to tarnish that IoT kind of um, marketplace with with bad devices. Like, there's a, there's, a, I'm sure you follow the same guy as well, the Internet of Shit on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> um, he highlights these devices over and over and over again. And unfortunately, the industry is literally at the mercy of stupid people at the moment and where there's a stupid person stupid things will happen so um yeah formalizing and and um and controlling and having analytics around the iot plays that you have in there is 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 absolutely what um what what you need to be doing and having the framework on top of it all that already connects so many things is is superb so yeah and and to your extent i mean 
if if you compare IoT to cloud a few years ago, I, I think basically the same happened. It still is happening. That I mean, people have no had no clue what what cloud was. Maybe we still don't, but you know, the concept of cloud is starting to land a bit at customers and and, and those who have to actually build it. Um, and IoT is still in its very early years. So when people can have find something to 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 bash it, or you know, you know, the Internet of shit of saying it's insecure, you know what? You're all right. That's the same as saying that cloud is just someone else's computer. That's that's true as well. But there's there's more to it than just saying that. So I think if people are more open-minded to it, uh, cautious but very open-minded, then I think we will see a, a, a large adoption of IoT in in in, in many ways. Yeah, very interestingly, actually, on the cloud topic, that the other person's computer uh, analogy. Um, I heard one at Synergy actually this year, and it made me fall off my chair laughing. It was um, uh, cloud is software-defined outsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a. It was a, it was kind of along the same guys as the computer, and I think it misses a lot of the points. But it was very very funny. But you know what? I actually more or less agreed to that one. So to me, cloud, especially you know SaaS or you know you just you're consuming a service, so you're outsourcing that service to a vendor. That's what you're doing. So to me, I like that one. I use it more or less in the same extent as well. Um, because it, I mean, it makes your customer think about what am I actually consuming here? What is, what is, what, I, where am I going to pay for? What yeah. is the service I'm getting? So yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, okay, we we stuck on a topic way longer than I wanted to, <laughs> but um, you know, moving moving off the the IT pla- or bit for a moment. And uh, one thing that always struck me about you was um, I would go up and I'd present something and I might get stuck halfway through or I might get short of breath on a, on a topic or whatever else. But then Ingmar would always rock up, knock out a 45-minute presentation like he's sitting on the beach sipping um, pina coladas. And I always wondered, how did you get to be such a phenomenal presenter? Because you're unlike anybody I've ever seen before. Um, do you have any tips for our listeners on how you 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 became so good at presenting topics to uh, to you know small to medium to large uh, uh, groups? Uh, well, well, first of all, thank you. Um, I do like pina colada. Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, how I, I I don't know how I became uh, the presenter that I am. Um, so. I think the best tip that I can give is just be yourself. Um, don't try to, to tell someone else a story. I'm, I'm always trying to convey a message or, or tell a story. So uh, whenever I'm presenting something, especially when it's it's my own topic, like around IET, or I'm trying to explain it in my own words with my own examples. So I'm just, well, it's as if I'm reading a book to you. You know, there's a beginning as an ending, and by the time that you walk out of the room, I want you to remember the message I was trying to to convey to you. So that's that's the first thing I do when I when I uh, prepare a preparation is what is it that I'm trying to to bring to you? What do I want you to remember? And how do I present you? How do I prevent from boring people in the room? And as I said, I'm quite easily bored um, with a lot of things. So I'm a good example for myself to think, hey, if I'm having a two-hour presentation, how do I prevent people from walking away or getting bored? So that's, that's you know, I, I tested on myself, basically. Excellent. Okay, so tell a story, get your message across, and focus throughout the presentation on making sure that message is heard and taken away. 
I, I assume there's plenty of practice in there as well. <laughs> mm, I should do more, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm lazy as well. <laughs> Good to know. Well, I think we're all lazy, and the, the, uh, Helga has, has coined that term so many times. I'm not going to repeat it over again, but you know, all all, all the best, uh, all the best people who work in IT are lazy. Um, so. Um, one question we love to ask all our guests as we close down a podcast is, you know, on a personal note, away from your day job and away from Citrix, you know, what what what, what market are you keenly watching at the moment and what excites you about it? So, um, besides, there's not much that excites me currently, to be honest. Um, the only thing which I'm not directly involved in um, is basically as a result of IoT, we're seeing a lot of machine learning uh, starting up, so we're getting a lot of data, which is good. But what are we going to do with it? So you know, the, the market around machine learning, artificial intelligence, the things which we can do with that, that interests me a lot. It's really interesting to see what we can do with it. Um, it's not something I watch that closely because usually I just don't understand what they're doing. Uh, I see a lot of things passing by with which I just have no clue. So uh, it, it's it's that area where I think we um, it's the next thing for all of us. Um, so yeah, th- that's the market that I'm watching. And I mean, besides that, I'm, um, uh, the thing I, as I said, I have a very short span of, of attention maybe and, and getting bored easily. So you know, I bought myself an RC car. So, uh, a, a radio controlled car that allows me to, you know, sometimes walk outside, clear my mind, play with a toy, uh, because now I've got the money to buy a toy and actually crash it. Uh, I'm, I'm still, basically I'm still a kid playing with a toy. And, and then I can go, back, can go back into, you know, being, doing the stuff that I do on a day-to-day basis. So that Fair. excites me as well. Understood. Yeah, I like I like the toys. I did, I have to say I was a little jealous when I saw your RC, RC car on Facebook. I, I saw it and I went, I should really buy myself one of those. That looks fun. <laughs> Why not is the, is the question I asked myself. So and I just did it. So if you like it, do it. Go for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay well look I mean Ingmar it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today um, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation a lot more than I should have to be honest uh, it, uh, and as I said before I mean despite how many times we meet each other and we talk I, I learned a lot on this on this podcast so it's great so I hope the, I hope the listeners get, get a better feel for who you are and where you came from and kind of you know decisions you've made and I really hope our listeners have an opportunity to check you out in, in, in real time in a presentation because your IoT demos are just they're, they're unlike anything else Thanks. And thanks for having me, guys. I really, I mean, it was an honor to me. So uh, thank you for having me in, on uh, the Formula Chatter podcast. No, thank you for coming on. Just like uh, Andy said, uh, I enjoyed the conversation. I, um, I'm sure our listeners w- will enjoy it as well. Um, we, we touched on some, some really good topics. Um, so, you know, I look forward to this getting out there to our, to our listeners. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsors, um, FS Logics and Liquid Word Labs. Um, and for myself and Andy, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Good day, and welcome to the Frontline Chatter podcast. Ah, shit, I'm starting over. Oh, we'll cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, starting over.